This episode of Broadway's Backbone with Brad Bradley contains some sensitive and important issues. It might not be suitable for all listeners. A disclaimer will be included at the end of the intro. Broadway's Backbone is a podcast dedicated to the men and women of the ensemble, the chorus of dancers, singers, and actors that are the foundation of every Broadway musical. These often unsung gypsies are the hardest working people on the boards and are, well, Broadway's Backbone. This is episode 81, and one of the topics will be removing the stigma. The definition of a stigma is a mark of disgrace associated with a particular circumstance, quality, or person. A disclaimer about this episode. There will be adult situations talked about, adult topics, and adult language. We will be talking about HIV and CBD. But nothing in this episode is offensive, but actually is very important information and very educational. But I wanted to give a disclaimer because it might not be suitable for all listeners. Please welcome my very special guest, Hernando Hermana. Very excited that you're here. You're out of town a lot. Yeah. Little gap of getting Finally in. Finally happened. Broadway credits, you were in Kinky Boots. Started on the Kinky Boots tour. Mm-hmm. You left that to go to Kinky Boots Broadway. Yes. And then you left that to go to School of Rock tour. Yes. And now you're currently on tour with your new business. CBDDogHealth.com. Check it out. That's so, uh, that's so cool. I didn't even realize that. Where are you from and how'd you get started? I'm from Miami. I moved to New York when I was 18 to go to AMDA. I graduated when I was like just shy of 20. And then I did the New York Hustle for a long time. Well, to me, it seemed like a long time. Yeah. And then oh, when I was 26, when I booked Kinky Boots, and it's kind of like all happened and flown since then. So in Miami, did you train in musical theater? Did you train in ballet? I, there was two things. My high school was like a theater magnet. I had a theater magnet, but we had to like audition to get in. Oh, okay. And then, uh, there was an amazing place called the Miami Children's Theater that I did theater at, which is actually where I met my business partner for the CBD Dog Health. She was, that was her first business. Oh, okay. And she's been like my mentor in life and theater, and now we partner together to do this. Oh, that's great. Yeah. I worked at Young Arts that's also in Miami. Oh, cool. Yeah, so Miami has, I mean, it's an amazing place for training. Yeah, for sure. A lot of talent, too. It's yeah. cool. And so were your parents completely supportive of you doing this business? Yeah. My dad actually loves theater. Uh, he's a Catholic Colombian man, did not want me to be gay at all. Mm. I remember I went to, I, was, I decided one day I wanted to try to take dance class, which we'll get to. I'm actually a terrible dancer. I'm not a dancer. Oh. I know Kiki Boots, you think I'm a dancer, but I'm sorry. You were an angel though, weren't you? Yeah, but, uh, but I was the featured solo vocalist. <laughs> so I did some moves in the back, but I wasn't kicking and splitting whatsoever. <laughs> Some studio offered me all their dance classes for free because they needed boys. And my dad said, absolutely no, my son's not taking ballet. Yeah, cut to like 10 years later, he sees me on a Broadway stage and he goes, <laughs> yes. <laughs> so I, was like, I won. <laughs> yes, absolutely. So what kind of singing training? Yeah, singing and acting, that, I mean, just musical theater. I tried to be a dancer. I took a lot of dance classes. Just, it's just not in me. I don't know what it is. Oh. I have two left feet and just, I'm too clumsy and just not my thing. Right. So like at some point I just had to come to terms with that and be like, okay, what am I good at? And I'm a damn good singer and actor, so. No, that's, that's, <laughs> we that's great. That, yeah. And how was AMDA? Because I know a lot of people love AMDA because it's a two-year intensive program. It, AMDA is what you make of it. They have incredible teachers like Tony Award nominee teachers and people are on Broadway or have been on Broadway, choreographed on Broadway. These facilities are unbelievable. Mm. They take a lot of students, which is where the thing that sucks. But if you use the resources and do your work, 
you get a lot out of it. My first job was from a teacher there. My, my first agent was because of Amda. It worked for me, but I put the work in. Too. Right. <laughs> I think a lot of places are like that too. You know, yeah. I mean, some places force feed you, but other places you have to get what you get out of it. Totally. So you said your dad didn't love you being gay. Did you come out at an early age? Uh, I came out to my mom when I was 18 or 19. My parents are together. My dad is a lot older. He's about to turn 80. Mm. And at the time was going through some really bad health issues. We didn't think he was gonna make it much longer. And I decided not to tell him right. just, it wasn't worth it. I'm not very close to my parents. Mm. Just didn't seem worth it. But once we saw everything get better and we knew he was gonna be around, I was like, I don't do the closet thing anymore. Yeah. So uh, we did it, and it was fine. They don't. They didn't love it. My mom was worse than my dad, and we expected it to be the opposite. Oh wow! But they're on board now. They don't really have a choice. <laughs> <laughs> no, if they want to keep you in their lives. My sisters and I also take care of my parents financially. I've been doing that since I was like 18, 19 years old. So like, there was one day where I was like, I could send you a monthly check every month, and that's all you can hear from me if that's what you want. But it's totally your call. So you let me know. So they got on board. Yes. <laughs> were you teased at all? Did you know you were gay at an early age before you came out? Yeah, I knew I was gay in high school. I knew something was different in like middle school. I remember that, but I didn't know, like, I didn't have a word for it. Mm. I wasn't teased too much, I guess because I was in a theater program. Right. I was always kind of like, just the goofy kid. Like, I don't think I'm, I'm proudly queer. I don't think I'm very gay. But I think my sexuality is very neutral. When people first meet me, they're not really sure. So it didn't affect me. Right. Well, that's good. The top of this been coming up a lot of people recently is uh, race relations. And I didn't realize, I mean, I knew you were something I didn't want to assume, but it's Colombian. Yeah. So have you had to deal with bigotry because of, of that? I'm so white. I just like, I don't look Hispanic, whatever that means. Yeah. I don't no. look Hispanic. I don't really identify as Hispanic either. I technically am Colombian, sure, by blood, but by culture, I'm just... Yeah. I don't really know anything. I know a little Spanish. I speak, I speak Spanglish, is what I tell oh, you people. I speak Spanglish. So no, that's never been an issue for me. Yeah. But I've seen it very, like in my family and in Miami, growing up with Hispanic culture. So I'm very aware of how gross it is and like what's Oh, there. yes. Um, I advocate for that a lot. I was just with two of my friends yesterday, two African-American boys, and they were laughing. They're like, all your friends are always black. And I'm like... Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. And so, like, I just fight for it a lot because I don't fucking get it. Yeah. So, yeah. But I've luckily never had to. Yeah. Well, I hear too about growing up in Florida that if you're from the Miami, Fort Lauderdale area, it's a completely different state than the rest of the state. Yeah. You guys are like in a weird island of. It is. It's a lot of culture, but it's a lot of culture that just mixed together. For some reason, it's all segregated. Uh. Um, like in New York, we're all fucking melting pot. Yeah, I think that'd be Miami, but there's a lot of racism within the community, like different kinds of Hispanics, or like if you're black but Puerto Rican black, and like it's just it's not as together as you want it to be. Yeah, there's just a lot of racism and a lot of religious Hispanic people who think they're still living in their same country. They're not. <laughs> <laughs> so I tell my parents all the time. They said, "You, I, I'm so glad you're proud to be Colombian, but you've lived in America for 30 years now." And if white people came to your country and didn't adapt to the culture, you'd have a problem with that. I'm mm -hmm. not saying to lose your pride in it, but right. you have to adapt, and people might don't want to adapt. Uh, they don't have to, because right. they found... Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. So after AMDA, you said it led you to do your first agent, your first job. Mm -hmm. What was the journey from AMDA to the Kinky Boots tour? A journey. I mean, <laughs> I worked every job possible. 
I did all the free gigs. I, I hosted nightlife shows for a little while, like as a singer. Oh, okay. Readings and out of town things. I mean, everything was poor for a very, very long time. But I did the hustle. I mean, I would show up to the ECCs and the EPAs, and even when I had my, it's still now my agents laugh at me because I keep up with my agents every few weeks to be like, okay, what's going on? Do I, I like? I take care of my own shit. Yeah, yeah, you have to. <laughs> so I, I, I had to. Again, I was paying my parents' bills. Like, I just like had to fucking figure it out. So I did the hustle for a long time. So when I got it, I fucking deserved it. Yeah, yeah no. <laughs> I, don't, I don't have a problem saying that at all. No, I think that that's what you need. You need the confidence to get that. I mean, I, what's interesting is I was definitely like that in my 20s. And yeah. now in my 40s, I don't know where my confidence goes sometimes. Really? And it's weird because I feel like some of my talent is better, but my confidence... Is lacking, so it's like I miss that. Like when you do deserve it, because you is are it hustling. Is it a drive? I don't know. If you're going out for the ensemble, there's eight tracks you could possibly do in your twenties. Yeah. In your forties, there's one track that Fair. you could possibly. So I don't know if it's just harder or you know, Interesting. the drive is tired. Well, I started the CBD business because I I don't want I love theater too much to struggle in theater. Yes. Um, and I it takes away the joy from me. So I want to start this business so I had like income coming somewhere. Also, I love dogs, I love CBD, but I want to start being an entrepreneur because I don't want to stress. I'm 30 and I, in 10 years I want to chill out. Yeah. <laughs> and like not freak out that there's not a theater gig for me right now. Like I want to do theater because I want to do theater. Yes. You know, so. So how was it when you got the call from Kinky Boots uh, when you're on the tour to say we want you to come to Broadway? It was cool. It was. It wasn't like an easy. It wasn't. They didn't hand me anything. They didn't want to like pull me out of the tour, and I kept kind of like persisting and persisting and persisting. Oh. Um, they had auditions. They, I was like, "Can I come to the audition?" They're like, "No, no, please don't worry." So I sent in a videotape anyway. And after the day after the videotape, they called me like, "Okay, come in." So like. Again, it was just kind of a vindication thing more than a sober. Like I was like, I fucking deserve it. Yeah. It. But it was awesome. The angels were really sweet in the dressing room. They like wrote things on the mirror for me when I got it. Cause they knew right before I found out. It was so cool. It was just like, but again, it was just work to get yeah. there. So like, yeah, it was just a sigh of relief at that yeah. point. <laughs> well, I think that a lot of people just think that after you put in a certain amount of work, that things are gonna just I, I thought so. Yeah, your phone's just gonna ring and ring and ring. Yeah. Now, is it easier to get through some doors? Sure. Do people actually look up from their resume when they see, when I walk in now? Sure. All it took was the word Broadway, unfortunately. Yeah. It's so stupid, but they look at me now in audition. Um, so it has opened those doors, but I still go to ECCs and EPA, not EPAs, I still go to ECCs when I need to. And yeah. I still take class and do all that because I'm not where I want to be, and I'm not expecting people to come to me yet. Yeah, no, yes. and it's a constant. Yeah, no, but it's a, it's a constant moving forward. Yeah, yeah, yeah. How long were you with Kinky Boots? Three years total. Oh, okay. I love being part of the show so much. I love the cast, I love the show, I love everything. Three years was too long for me. Mm. My f face was just breaking out all the time. And as someone who doesn't dance, to be in a show where we're mostly dancing, Yeah. I just never felt like super 100% confident in what I was doing until my solo, you know? Yes. So it was strenuous by the end. The first two years I was just living a dream. The last year was exhausting for me. And again, why I started the business because I don't want to feel that way about theater. I yeah. love theater. Why yeah. am I doing a show eight times a week and not thrilled about it? Um, I was just tired. No, I understand that. And a paycheck was coming in and it was really comfortable. Yep. But that being said, I had the best time. Yeah. The best time. And were you in town for the closing? Mm-hmm. 
My best friend in the world plays Lola. We actually met doing Kiki Boots. And, oh. and he's incredible. So I got to like, he's a star. He's a star. I hope he doesn't listen to this because I don't like telling him this. But I hope uh, he does listen to <laughs> He uh, is just killing the game right now. And so like, I got to, the whole show was incredible. Everything's incredible. But I got to like sit back and watch Tony Award winners watch my best friend lead the show. And be like, who is this guy? Wow. And then at the after party, everybody was like attacking him, he killed it. So that was very special. Yeah. It was kind of less about me being part of the show, more about watching my best friend like become this struggle that we've kind of known he was gonna be. So, well, that's wonderful. Yeah, it was cool. Yeah. It was really, really cool. So you left Kinky Boots Broadway to go on to the School of Rock tour. Yeah, it was just time for a new show. Yeah. And sure, that tour was less money and like I had to leave home, but it was just time to leave. And I wanted a paycheck and I love School of Rock and I love kids and it was so different though. I went from a dressing room full of eight queer men painting their face to a very straight dressing room talking about football. Oh. So that was a shock. Yes. For sure. Yes. <laughs> I prefer the Kiki Boots one, for sure. Oh yeah. Oh, absolutely. <laughs> um, but, some, but some of my straight dressing rooms, they're so funny. I mean, they're sometimes fouler than... Sometimes, yeah. And you're, it's shocking and fun and flirty. And I'm like, this is a weird, like, bro energy. This one wasn't that. If you're listening, I told them to their face, they annoyed the piss out of me. So <laughs> <laughs> uh, I first became aware of you six, eight months ago, maybe a year ago. You uh, announced publicly a very personal situation in your life that I just thought was so incredible, so uh, brave and something that needs to be talked about. I reached out to you and I was like, would you come on my podcast? And you said, absolutely. Just briefly in your own words, what is it that you uh, talked about recently publicly? I just disclosed my HIV status. I've been HIV positive for 10 years. And it's not something I've ever like hidden from people. People who know me know, people, a lot of people who don't know me know. It was just social media was a whole new, I think it was supposed to just be for like me and mm. the few people. I had like what three thousand followers, and I was like, "Great, these three thousand people will see this." Or awesome, um, and it blew up. And I woke up the next day to like ten thousand followers almost, and like all these articles. And my email was flooded with like uh, it was just it was crazy. Yeah, it was really crazy. So uh, I think it's I saw it on Tower Road, Broadway dancer. You know, and the, I was like, the "What?" Craziest thing about that is that. I'm gonna say 10 articles came out and they like sent emails saying Broadway's hurting, the money comes out positive to like all the subscribers, all this stuff. Not one person ever reached out to me from any of these companies. Really? Or, so I was definitely taken back. I wasn't mad. Um, there was definitely a lesson of like, oh shit, what, what you put out on Instagram does not belong to you. Anybody can do whatever the fuck they want to do with that. Yeah, interesting. Um, and that was a big lesson I learned that day for sure. I would have had no idea. Yeah, no, they all just did it. But since then, like, I, I did a campaign called uh, U Equals U that was all over New York subways and apparently some billboard somewhere. And God, the worst one was it was, uh, they, didn't, they didn't tell me how big this campaign, it was, so it was like a photo of me saying, I'm undetectable and undetectable means this. They didn't tell me that they were gonna be all over subways and billboards. Yeah, I saw one on the subway today. It wasn't you, but yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, but the one that really shook me was, it was a full ad on Grindr of just my photo and that. And I was like, and I'm on Grindr, I meet people on Grindr, yeah. no problem saying that. So I'd get messages of like these screams. I never saw it, it never came up on mine. But all these guys being like, is this you, is this you? <laughs> I guess we don't have to have that conversation anymore. Oh, yeah. <laughs> but it's been so awesome. I'm so happy I did it. It was the most like liberating, cool experience. The thing that was most impressive to me was not only bravery, but this is a subject that people don't really talk about anymore. Yeah. 
And it's, uh, I think it's an issue that many of us have taken for granted and uh, we don't want to talk about it anymore. And there was a time that everyone was talking about it. It was on the tip of a lot of people's tongues for a really long time. Now knowing that you had no intention all of a sudden to become a, a spokesperson on, on all this kind of stuff, have you been bombarded in like how you feel and why you actually decided to do it? Uh, not really. I get bombarded with people from all over the world telling me about their status or their mm. story. I think I got, maybe got out of the way that, I hate the word brave for this because mm. Why? It's so stupid. Well, because it has a bad stigma. Yeah. That's, yeah. But like, let's look at the facts. I take a pill at night, and I can't transmit it to anyone. I'm healthier than most guys my age. Yeah. So why the fuck is there stigma about it? Yeah. Diabetes is ten times worse. I just wanted to put that out there. Like, why are we freaking out about this? I got that like a year into it. I was like, oh, this is it. Yeah. Okay, great. It's just become a lot of education. I, I literally, I don't mind, like, I get, I was on tour, let's say, and I was on Grindr on tour, and I was very curious to see, I tell anybody who I'm going to hook up with just because I like to get it out. I just, a lot of people who are positive don't like to tell people their status, if it's not sex, or if they're using condoms. I, I, I don't do well with, like, holding in information, right. so I just like to get it out of the way. And I was in the Midwest and the South, and very curious about how these boys would take it. A lot better than you think, but mm. people would come over, they'd be like, can we, can I ask questions? Yeah, come over. They'd come over, we'd get stoned, and they'd ask questions. And I actually love talking about it because I see everyone who's terrified of it being like, oh, that's it? Why don't I know that? I don't know. I didn't know that. When, when they told me, I mean, I was also 19 or 20 when I found out and I was very uneducated about it. I thought I was gonna die. Literally thought I was gonna die. I, I think there's people who still think that. And you can't blame them. Yeah. You can't. I have a friend who's positive who gets upset when people aren't educated about it. And he's open about his status as well. I'm like, but why are you getting mad? Just meet up at where they're at, give them the information, and then if they're idiots after that, then you can hate them. Right. You know? Yes. I love gay culture. I love being gay. I'm very aware of how lucky I am to be in 2019 where I get to kiss whoever the fuck I want to kiss whenever I want and mm. wherever I want and marry whoever I want and not be dying of this disease. And I feel like those men who had to like suffer or the men who had to watch their friends suffer would have done anything to be where we're at right now. And they're the reason I get to do whatever the fuck I want. So this is the least I get to do. Right. One of my topics and questions of like how we just say, let's remove the stigma. Because I know for me, more of the AIDS epidemic than uh -huh. HIV today is really a big part of my story. Of course. Because uh, I think when I was 12 is the height of the AIDS epidemic. So I watched it on television. I accepted the fact that if I became gay, I was yeah. going to die. I remember that I was thinking about this this morning. I was in eighth grade and we were in ballet class and this girl came up to me freaking out because she's like, the guy she was dancing with, he got sweat in her mouth. Oof. And she's like, he might be gay, I, I'm, I have AIDS. And there was hysteria, but it was also, no one knew anything. No, you can't blame him for that. Yeah. The media covered it like that. It yeah. was a terrible, terrible thing. And it was a terrible, terrible thing. Yeah. There was a lack of knowledge, and then the knowledge we did have, nobody was talking about. So right. like, I can never blame someone for not having the information. Right. Do I think if you're in your 20s and on Grindr, you should do a little research for yourself? Yeah, yeah. absolutely, totally. But I don't mind talking about it. Yeah. Because I know for me now, I'm, I'm a woke person, but even just years ago, I still, 
unfortunately had the stigma, I still had the fear, and I was extremely educated. Yeah. And I think it took medical wonders like PrEP that I take that sometimes it's more for my head than it is for anything else because I love when people say, we need to get rid of the stigma, but for my age group and the age group above me, it that's a, seems like a really big thing. How uh, are you helping get rid of that? That's hard because I can only speak for where I am. Uh, so that's good. But I guess all I can say about that is, I mean, how could you not be terrified? Right. I, just the videos I've watched, just the documentaries I've watched, I'd be fucking terrified too. I say, I, there's so much trust in science. Yeah, yeah. That, like, I mean, there's so much. And, like, I, I, I don't want to misspeak because I'm a 30-year-old man who didn't live through this, and I know shit about living in this generation. Um, so, who the fuck am I to say what I'm about to say? But I guess, like, you saw your friends die, right? Or, uh, the, the generation or, above me died. Gen- How old do you think I am? <laughs> <laughs> but like, or people here have seen their friends die, you know? And you're still here. Honor them by being educated and trusting in where we're at. And that if your friend who's still alive got to see it like this, how happy would he be? Yeah. And how pissed would he be if you're like, I can't give it to you and you're scared of me? Right. I don't know. That's the way I see it. But again, I didn't live through it. Right. But what's interesting is one, I think for, for my specific generation, we're still alive because we were so educated in our high school and yeah. our teens. And we knew the safety everywhere you went. Everyone was talking about HIV. They gave condoms. So for you at 20 to not know, it's, that's what's interesting now is I think that education is not there. And I, I don't think I realized how not there it was. My high school and college, it was everywhere. Everyone knew a male, female, straight. Once they got the disease itself under control, the education started. Yeah. And then I feel that now that it's even more in control, the education has stopped. Yeah, all, all, all I can think about remembering from learning in high school, middle school was the AIDS epidemic. Right. I don't remember learning anything past that. Mm. So I had no fucking idea. And I also, when I, when I got it, I, I got it from the second person I ever slept with. I was not promiscuous, and I don't use that word in a bad term at all. Yeah. Uh, I was just, I didn't have much experience. And I thought at the time that only people with a lot of experience get that, that people sleep around get that. I didn't right. think it was possible. Very possible, it turns out. So yeah, that's, all, that's the only education I had. No, I, yeah, and that's what's sad. Because I also think that part of... My issue, you talked about this a little bit in, I read your post and it was beautifully written. Gay men innately have some type of shame for being gay or for being different. And I think that we we try to get rid of that, but there's also like shameful sexual deviant. So now you deserve to get this deadly disease. And that is going away, but it was such a weird image. And you were talking about the shame and getting rid of the stigma. And that's the thing is people don't talk about that at all. Even friends don't. So I know you were just doing it for your friends, but there's a reason why social media jumped at it. And so I think that's awesome. No, I love it. I really, really love it. Yeah. I'm glad it happened. Like for some people who don't even know, so what do you actually do now? I take a pill every night, one pill, I get my blood work done every six months. Prep, you have to get your blood work done every three months. Yes, I know. <laughs> I'm HIV positive, and I have to do it every six months. I see my doctor, we make sure I'm still infectable, check everything, good to go. See you later, see you in six months. 
So yeah, explain to me what undetectable is. Undetectable means that there's so little of the virus in your body that it is physically impossible to transmit to anyone else. The only thing they haven't figured out is how to keep it out mm. without the medication. And obviously there's still a tiny bit left in there, but there's so little of it that you cannot give it to anyone. I've been with boyfriends or other partners before where we've had unprotected sex, top or bottom, come and you. There's never been an issue because Science. <laughs> right. So, no, you cannot transmit it to anyone. That's what I'm just saying. Well, it's great because I think that a lot of people don't know what it means and also people don't trust that it's real. Yeah. There's all this other fear, which I think is it's in the vid individual's head because the education, yeah. the, the honest information is out there. Yeah. You know, so I think that that's amazing. And have you had any side effects from any of the drugs? In the very beginning, uh, medications have come a long way in the 10 years I've been positive. The first medication I took, I had like, it was like a week of like, I was dizzy all the time. I wasn't allowed to work. I, like my brain could keep up to with what I was saying. Nowadays, yeah, there's no side effects at all. We don't know the long-term effects of this medication. Right. That's one thing. But like, People will take Tylenol every fucking day. I'm sure it's just as bad. Oh, no. <laughs> you know? Absolutely. Uh, so it's not great. Obviously, I hope there's a cure for many reasons, but health-wise, just so that we don't have to take toxic. I don't like taking toxic things. I, I do CBD. I do natural remedies. Uh, so I don't love taking this, but it keeps me alive and healthy. No, this is amazing. <laughs> and I think, too, it's, I was thinking, because I know I have some kids that listen to this, so, I mean, they'll have a warning at the beginning. Sorry for all the <clears throat> Oh, no, no, no. Oh, no, no, that's fine. <laughs> no, and I think that, too, because at first I was like, oh, but then I'm realizing when, when was I exposed to this, and that was at 12 years old, and Adam doing School of Rock, and I just did a bunch of kids' shows. I love young theater kids, and they're around it, and they're going to have questions, and I just think it's great for people to know, because I know a lot of the kids where I worked at, in not in the Midwest, they're not really even getting sex education, no. so let alone uh, HIV education. Yeah. So to know that how under control it is, and it isn't a death sentence, it isn't because you're a pariah or a bad person, and that it's, is, I think it's just really important. Yeah. It's needle use and unprotected sex, that's it. You can't dance with someone and get sweat in their mouth. I mean, it's so silly that we have that ever. Fear. Yeah, it's not silly that you had it because you didn't know. Yeah. Right? Now it's silly. Yeah. Now there's way too much information for you not to know that. But before that, no. I guess I mean just for any like young kids listening is that even though I'm undetectable, even though someone's undetectable, we all have our slips. We're all gonna use unprotected sex occasionally, and that's okay. The goal is to go in mind with having using protection, and if you. Don't, the other form of safe sex is getting tested afterwards. Mm. So if we all slip and it's gonna happen, go get tested. Right. You know, that's the best thing you can do. Yeah. And that's okay. So there are two forms of safe sex. People always talk about common sex as safe sex, but getting tested is just as safe right. as using companies. I'm on prep, and I don't think even a lot of people even know what prep is. Prep basically means someone who's HIV negative takes PrEP every day, correct, every mm -hmm. day? So that even someone who's not detectable, who has full HIV, um, cannot transfer it to you. 
yeah. whatsoever. So what PrEP is doing, which is incredible, PrEP is opening the door to a lot more unprotected sex, which is natural, of course that was gonna happen. I think it's okay, I think the key word there is moderation. <laughs> yeah. Don't be an asshole and like have unprotected sex all the time and then not get tested because you're on PrEP. I still think we have to, need to be smart about it. Yeah. But it's nice not to have to be scared of getting HIV. Yeah. That's awesome. The epidemic is huge within the world, and it's also huge in the African-American community yeah. and the poor communities. And it's finding out it's just lack of education. And that's oh. shocking that education can prevent disease. And that we're not we're not giving it to our citizens, or it's just not happening. Yeah. You and I can't figure out how, in a dance studio how to change that. No, oh. <laughs> I'm just doing my part. Yeah, which is and, great. And I feel like if more people came out and did their part, it'd be awesome. So many people who are HIV positive complain about the lack of education, but if you're not going to be part of, part of the solution, then you're part of the problem. Again, everyone has their own journey. I'm not pressuring anyone just because you want to stay in the closet of being HIV positive. I just want to respect that. But don't complain about it because you don't want to do anything about it either. Yeah. Changing the subject a little bit, but it has something to do, do with it. The social media presence is uh, very uh, important of it. And yeah. I, now I'm getting emails like, here, send me $25 and I'll give you a thousand followers. I mean, it's just yeah, crazy. Now knowing that this wasn't even part of your intention, uh -huh. it's part of your brand now. And yeah. social media is what made you, like, all of a sudden, an ambassador for getting rid of the stigma. Yeah. How have you navigated social media within your life? <sighs> God, social media. It's starting the CBD company and learning to how to market our products and the brand of the products and it's, it's what makes us very special, our company, we're very good at it. Mm. Our products are incredible, but we know how to market the crap of it, brand it. I had to kind of, once we start to do so well, I had to look at myself and be like, if I'm gonna keep doing theater, I am the product, I am the brand, mm -hmm. so I have to take care of myself the same, I take care of Atlas. So I'm trying to find that line between like, uh, posting like a photo because it's for Instagram, and still being like honest and real and like, posting stupid things with my friends and all about honesty and truth and transparency sometimes to a fault mm. but I just kind of try to keep it the same I make zero apologies for what I say or do or show on Instagram I, I talk about HIV I talk about sex I talk about I'm an active cannabis user I say what I want to say but I, I will back it up and if you can prove me wrong then awesome I don't mind saying I'm wrong <laughs> I just speak my truth yeah and I noticed the coolest thing about coming out HIV positive is that living my truth and living like such an authenticity has actually opened more doors for me and has actually made me more loved, mm. more liked by anyone that's, that's in my entire life. So I want to carry that lesson I learned in like every aspect of it. I, I'm not a perfect human being by any means. I have my issues. I don't mind talking about it because the more I talk about shit, the more I realize that that person does too, and that this person does too. We all become relatable, and uh, people like what I have to say. So I just, I literally just speak truth, and that's been the most successful part of my journey so far. No, I love what you have to say, and I know even though I'm educated, just sitting here talking to you, I feel better about the fact that my stigma is gone. And every once in a while, the fear comes up. Yeah. But I think talking about it, even, I mean, we're perfect strangers. Yeah. And we're talking about a difficult thing, and it's making me feel better about the fact that my stigma's gone. Because I think for a while, the stigma kept me safe, but I don't want to live like that. Yeah. And it's 
through people like you sharing your experiences, whether on social media or whether here, that people like me can be like, no, it's a dead stigma. Yeah, Thank just you. people you talk about. What I was going to say earlier that I remember about the stigma and coming out is that if you look at people who are out of the closet being positive, most of the people that are out of the closet being positive are people of color. Mm. Find me a few white guys, a few like young, fit white guys, because there's plenty of them who are positive, who are open about it. I, I don't think you could find many. The only one I can think of is not American. Yeah. Man, white people are privileged, and mm -hmm. I know that. I identify as white. And so I think it's very interesting that the people who already have so much against them are the ones leading this movement. And so I just like encourage you white guys to start looking at it and be like, we all talk about all of us white guys and our white people are talking about Black Lives Matters and how all these really important social things and posting about it on Instagram or Facebook, cool, but do something. Yeah. Be a part of the solution. There aren't many and I think people need to see that HIV looks like a lot of different things. Yeah. Not just people of color. It's a terrible thing that that's, you think HIV and people think people of color a lot, but I, th I think one way to change that is just visibility. Yeah. Well, it's interesting too that you say that because my roommate in my last show I did, his girlfriend worked with people of color in Atlanta, helping educate them and getting them prep. And it was really hard uh -huh. to get their insurance and everything to yeah. approve prep for them. I got it like that. White little boy in New York City. Well, yeah, in New York City. We're so lucky. I changed my, when I first posted my HIV coming out thing, I wrote that HIV is not what's dangerous anymore, the stigma is. And one of my friends challenged me on that because I've said that for years. He said, HIV is more dangerous than the stigma in other places out of New York. I have to remember that we live in a very privileged bubble in right. New York City, even America, you know, even though there are parts of America, but in other places in the world, HIV is the problem. It turns into AIDS and it's killing people. Right. Or people can't afford the medication or their doctors. I got HIV when I was 20 years old in New York City. So that's all I know. Yeah. So here in New York, let's work on the stigma, but we also need to remember that people are suffering from this. Oh, they it's, definitely it's are. Very so I think the title of this episode might be Getting Rid of Stigma because I'm going to change the subject real quick. Yeah. We talked about this briefly. I had a little bit of a stigma about CBD because, well, now I'm totally coming out about this. <laughs> I am 13 years sober and- Do um, people not know this? No, I mean everyone knows. Okay. Um, I haven't said it on a podcast yet. <laughs> so when I, I've hurt my back, I've had other things and people have suggested CBD and I've just been like, oh my God, I can never do that. I, I'm, in, I'm in recovery and this and that. Yeah. That's another thing that I'm, I'm actually not educated on it. I just have a it, marijuana to me when I was like, you give it to animals, you're getting your animal stone. Yeah. So explain CBD to me because um, I only know it peripherally. Totally. First of all, I think it's so cool that you're sober. Oh, thank you. I think it's really fucking cool when people take control of their lives like that. It's something that's not easy. Yeah. I can't imagine. So there's the cannabis plant. Mm -hmm. and The cannabis plant has two species, the hemp plant and the marijuana plant, right? Okay. Hemp is now federally legal and hemp is mostly CBD. Marijuana is only legal in certain states, and that's THC, which is what gets you stoned. Okay. Okay, so CBD does not get you stoned. When you take CBD, whether it's a lotion or a tincture, like I do oil every day, or I smoke a vape pen, there's zero psychoactive effects. You do not get stoned. It relieves all the inflammation throughout your body. It works the same as SSRIs like Prozac and Xanax, mm. just without any of the toxic 
problems that those pills do have. Uh, when people challenge me on that, it can't work the same. The United States government owns the patent to CBD as a neuroprotectant. They're very aware, meaning they're very aware that it acts the same as Prozac and Xanax. They own the fucking patent. Wow. But we don't know that. So it does work. There's a lot of bullshit companies out there right now taking advantage of the fact that we don't, the normal person doesn't know better and selling things that are not CBD or very low doses. You CBD. walk into a grocery store, yeah. they're like, get don't buy it. CBD don't gummy. buy it. I'm like, what not, is that? not on Amazon, not anywhere. <laughs> like, go to a real place, ask real questions, and figure out what you want. So for dancers, I always tell them, like, please fucking take it, like a 30 to 40 milligrams of uh, whatever you need it, or a day. It will relieve so much pain from you. The way CBD works is that we literally have a full system in our body specifically dedicated for CBD called the endocannabinoid system. The first time you and I got CBD was when we were breastfed. That's how natural it is. Oh, wow. I think it's just as important to our body as vitamins. I think we have deficiencies in CBD. We have receptors for CBD in our body. CBD doesn't do the work. CBD tells those receptors to do the work. So it literally just runs throughout your whole body and relieves all the inflammation and it basically talks to your brain to uh, release more of the, why can I never remember what it's called? the happiness. Yes. So it's just totally natural. Our bodies need it. Our bodies have a system dedicated to it. Dogs actually have twice the receptors, which is why it's so good for them. But now been able to see dogs who couldn't walk start running, seizure stop, separation anxiety or fear of thunder, stop in five minutes, mm. tumors are falling off. Wow. It's insane. I've seen it all. I have been on Prozac. 60 milligrams a day for about a year for anxiety and I'm taking myself completely off it with my doctor's help just to cannabis. I also use THC, um, which is Wugetsi Stone. Right. I use a combination of both. I'm still learning how to dose it myself. Hmm. But for most At the same time or do you do like in the morning you do one and at night? Same time. Okay. I have like, I, I have stuff in California that is properly dosed. But the problem with weed is like can you imagine if you took any other medication, you put it in a bowl, lit it on fire, and took as much medication as you wanted? Of course you'd get really fucked up. Yeah. Right? But when a doctor says five milligrams a day of this medication, it works as medicine. Mm. It's the same with weed. So my pen, for example, I have two different pens, one that's just CBD that you saw earlier, and one that's a mix of THC and CBD. I inhale and it buzzes at 2.5 milligrams. So I know how to properly dose it. The pen is called Dosis. Dosis, if you're listening, please, I want to work. Um, it's just an all-natural way. It's a fucking plant. Yeah. It's a plant. I have my thoughts on sobriety and marijuana. Again, like I said earlier, I don't... I am not a person suffering from a disease. I've never mm. been to AA meetings, so who the fuck am I to say any of this? I don't think that they have to live in the same world. I think marijuana can be used as medicine. Mm. Um, but if we're just talking CBD, I just want to start with CBD. You do not get high. Right. It's gonna make you feel so much better. It's gonna relieve so much pain from you. It kills cancer cells. It completely gets rid of epilepsy. So if you're prone to that for the future, if you take it every day, it's gonna help you a lot. There's so many benefits to taking it. It's huge right now, CBD. Yeah, it seems like it's everywhere. For a reason. Because mm. it works. When used properly, when used in the right dosage, when you're actually taking CBD and not the bullshit on the yeah. side. I know my the last year of my grandfather's life, he was doing the drops. Yeah. And, and he would always be like, Brad, I'm on the pot. <laughs> but he was in so much pain and the pills were screwing up his insides. Yeah. And he just wanted to like be able to walk from 
here to there. Here to there. And so it was just funny, like in his pie every night, he'd get put a drop of it. My dad has is in early Parkinson's. Mm -hmm. and He's very against marijuana, but I convinced him to take CBD and it's stopping his shaking. A lot of his hands have stopped. The trembling is still there because for, for Parkinson's, a little THC needs to be put in there. But I'm easing my way into it. Right. But yeah, even my dad's becoming a believer, which I never thought in yeah. the entire world. Uh, we're just so uneducated on it because big pharmas don't want us to know because they're not going to make any money off of it until, right. until they capitalize it themselves. Marijuana was also used as a tool to incarcerate black men in the 70s when they couldn't do fucking Jim Crow laws and, or anything else. They found a new way yeah. for modern day slavery. That was one. So they've really... I saw a documentary on that. Was... 13? Yes. Yeah. That's where I first started to learn about it. I did a shit ton of research. I was, couldn't believe it. Yeah. We're just so uninformed and purposely so. They mm. want us to be scared of this point. Right. With some of the most incredible healing powers you could you know, yeah. So for you, I really, I really think you should try it. Yeah. It's amazing. And, and I know I can count 15 people on my, hand, uh, my hands right now that have been sober who take CBD. Yeah. Well, it's just so interesting what we choose to educate ourselves on and what we have a stigma towards. There's probably so many. We could have a, another oh episode on, on stigma. Yeah. It's so fascinating that I right away was like, oh, wait. CBD's it's a drug and this was years ago and then just wrote it off. Yeah. You I mean the same way I think of many course. Yeah, many people did with AIDS is a dense yeah. sentence. You just we believe what we're told. Yeah. We believe what we read. It's just bullshit. So where are you with your focus of performing and with CBD and I like to do both. My focus right now is primarily on the business, on the CBD business for uh, CBD.com. When an audition comes that I really want to do I, I will go. And if I book another Broadway show, I'll I'll have two jobs. Right. Yeah, that's where I am. Are you based out of New York or? Our, our business is in Tampa, oh. which is why we've gone for so long after the tour. I am back in New York, living in New York starting as June 1st, running my part of the business from here, and I'll be flying to Tampa every month. Oh, wow. Yeah. And is it an internet business or? Internet business, but we're also in a whole bunch of stores throughout the, the country. Oh, okay. Yeah, the best way to do it is through our website. And it uh, specializes in animals. Specializes in animals. My uh, business partner has a degree in medical cannabis. She owns a rescue farm. She fosters dogs all the time. She has, I mean, she has what six of her own dogs. She owns grooming shops as well. Like we know what we're doing when it comes to both sides, as far as cannabis and pets. We we we're very educated. and We love to, as part of my brand, I guess, to educate. That's I do. Right after I meet with you, I'm going to a store that we sell at to educate customers and their staff about CBD. Like I just talk about it everywhere I can. Wow, and see that's what's great is that like you can be an educator without having to have a degree and work at a college. Just, You're just educating people on so many things. I talk, I talk about what I know. <laughs> and I'm so glad that you did it here. Yeah. So what's a moment that stands out that you're this most proud of? Either of your careers or... Honestly, most proud of, not career-wise, is coming out positive. And yeah. I loved it. It was honestly the coolest thing I've ever done. Career-wise, I don't know. I'm just I'm working and I'm getting phone calls from people that I've admired forever offering me shit or at least to come in for a job or like... just worked really hard to get here. I was not the most talented kid growing up. I. I've never been, like, you know, I was always this skinny little acne covered thing, like it's not, I didn't have anything going for me, but I worked my ass off to get here and I, I love that I set up this life for myself and I'm really proud of it. I have so much more to do 
and oh, I yeah. can't wait to get there, but I'm really proud of just where I am right now. Well, you should be. You're incredible, and you're a great role model, and I think that being an example to people, being authentic, I mean, you're being authentic as a person, as a performer, as a gay man, so many things, you're being authentic, I and mean, I'm striving for that in my 40s. I, I wish I would have had the gall to do that when I was 29, um, or 30. So I just think it, it's great because it's you putting yourself out there is changing the world and changing people. So that's why I wanted you on here. Thanks. So I would like to end my podcast with a song. Is there any song? Uh, you don't have to sing it. Oh, God. Oh, my like, God. No, 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 no. <laughs> I always love when people's faces. That, no, like I play it out like during the credits. Oh, if you that's could, so cute. If you could pick a song that's significant to you right now. Oh, God. You know what song is perfect for this? Louder Than Words from Tick Tick Boom. Oh, Do great. I don't. It's beautiful. Jonathan Larson. Excellent. Well, thank you very much. Why do we play with fire? Why do we run our finger through the flame? Why do we leave our hand on the stove? Although we know we're in for some pain Oh, why do we refuse to hang a light When the streets are dangerous? Why does it take an accident Before the truth gets through to us? Cages or wings which do you prefer? Ask the birds Fear or love, baby, don't say the answer Actions speak louder than words Why should we try to be our best When we can just get by and still gain why do we nod our heads, although we know the boss is wrong as rain? Why should we blaze a trail when the well-worn path seems safe and so inviting? How, as we travel, can we see the dismay and keep the How can you make someone take off and fly? If we don't wake up and shake up the nation We'll eat the dust of the world Wondering Why do we follow leaders who never leave?
tell me why so many people bleed Cages or wings, which do you prefer? Ask the birds Fear or love, baby, don't say the answer Actions speak louder Ask the birds Fear or love, baby, don't say the answer Actions speak louder I'm going to pee my...